Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Pirie and Elizabeth Zhovkova. Today we meet Giovanni de Niederhäusern, a senior vice president of Italian's legendary Pininfarina's architecture unit. With his professional background in design, engineering and business development, Giovanni speaks to us in a very systematic yet creative manner to decode the company's most crucial protocols for social impact, environmental sustainability, concepts of beauty, well-being and technology. The episode is co-hosted by Kiana Talapur, a creative director of MDA Design Agency, a Milan-based studio founded by Maddalena D'Alfonso. Hello everyone! Today we have a special episode for our season 2 called No Man is an Island, because I'm co-hosting it with my dear friend and colleague Kiana Talapur, a creative director of Milan's MDA Design Agency. Our guest today is Giovanni de Niederhäusern, Vice President of Italian design company Pininfarina. I would love to start by introducing our audience to your journey, Giovanni, from managing projects in the fields of architecture and design to making your way to the Vice Presidency in Pininfarina. Thank you, Farah, and thank you, Maddalena and Chiana. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, today. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, um, elaborate a little bit about my background. Um, I am an engineer, actually, by training, uh, and I started to uh, work into the design field uh, with um, uh, a designer uh, from my hometown, which is called Yosagini. Uh, and then I, I actually moved to MIT first. I did a, a period of research there, and, uh, and then back to Italy. I basically work on like about 12, uh, 12 years in, uh, in a company, which is Carlo Ratti Associati, uh, before moving to, to Pininfarina, uh, in, uh, where, I, where I lead a team of designers, of architects, designers uh, between uh, Torino, Miami, and Shanghai. Um, you know, I think that uh, if I have to uh, like, uh, share with you some uh, you know, features of my background, I, I think that... Uh, the most particular thing is that uh, I started in the design engineering field, then I moved to design, and then I started you know, to um, train myself uh, into business also. Uh, so at a certain point, while working at Calorati Associati, I understood that, you know, by training, I missed uh, one part of, uh, uh, of what I was doing, uh, and that was the, the business side of it. So I, I started an MBA program in Rome, and... Uh, uh, to me, was a game changer. You know, m- many times when you talk to someone that did an MBA, they say, you know, the MBA changed my life. And uh, at that time, I, I was like, like so curious about that, and I was skeptical. But uh, actually, it, it, I would say that the MBA really changed my my my, my mindset and my professional career. Uh, this because uh, you know most of the times, especially in Italy, uh, you know when. Uh, uh, you uh, study uh, in an architectural uh, at the university when you study architecture at university uh, they don't they don't give you any uh, insight and any uh, tips about uh, uh, the, the the business side of architecture so you just study you know how to do beautiful buildings uh, but that is not enough uh, because in the end architecture um, you know moves a lot of interests uh, not only from uh, you know, the social and the environmental uh, perspective, but also from the economic one. Um, my former boss used to say, you know, without money, you don't even do non-profit. 
and this is very much true. Um, and um, uh, so I, I think that uh, really helped me also in entering in a company like Pininfarina, uh, which is a company which is listed at, at the stock exchange uh, with, uh, with many branches worldwide. So internally to the company to, to grow, you don't have just to, you know, uh, invent uh, nice ideas and, and do cool design, but you also have to uh, deal with a number of uh, reports, uh, analysis, uh, and obviously with the markets. Um, you know, many times uh, during my professional career, I asked uh, why it's important uh, not just to look at the, you know, artistic and uh, like uh, more creative part of the uh, of the of my job, but why why is it important also to look at the market and at the business? And the answer that I gave my, to myself is that if you really want to have an impact. Uh, you know, if you really want to be an active voice uh, into the world of architecture and you want really through your design to improve uh, people's life, uh, you have, uh, you know, to sit at the tables in which decisions are, are made and uh, um, you have to be part of uh, uh, big and, and significant uh, programs uh, at the, you know, architectural urban uh, level. And, and for this reason, you know, I think it's very important that every architect uh, finds, uh, you know, sometimes to train uh, himself uh, also in understanding the, you know, the, 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 the other side uh, of, uh, of his job. Thank you, Giovanni, for your insightful answer. You work in a well-established and ever-progressing design environment. Would you please give us some example of the new technologies and innovative processes that make your work and eventually our daily lives effortless? Yeah, thank you, Kiana. Well, I'll, I'll try to you know, elaborate a little bit about the vision uh, that we have at Pininfarina Architecture. Uh, and our vision is synthesized uh, into what I call an equation. Uh, you know, Pininfarina is both a design firm and engineering firm. So uh, our, our claim is uh, um, beauty plus technology equals impact. So we put into an equation both, uh, you know, uh, uh, values such as beauty and impact and also more technical things. Um, I'll, I'll go through it very quickly. So beauty for us uh, is... Uh, um, not just aesthetics, uh, but uh, it's a softer, wider uh, sense of, uh, of beauty that encompasses well-being. So in, uh, in all our projects, uh, we start from the well-being of the user, um, from the quality that it is perceived by the user, and then we move into designing the building. Just to give you uh, a concrete example, um, we uh, follow a protocol which is called WELL uh, from uh, an institution, a U.S. institution, which is called the uh, WELL Building Institute. Uh, WELL, uh, you know, to me was uh, a revolution because uh, the, the most famous protocol in architecture uh, is, still is, LEED. But LEED, you know, has an approach that certifies uh, the performance of the building. So, you know, the performance of the specific uh, of the wall, of a specific uh, window, of a building system. So it's pretty objective, but also it's very cold, let's say, because the user is not really taken into consideration. While, uh, well, you know, is a protocol that really starts from the user, from the quality of the space as it is perceived from the user, and then moves uh, in the end to the performance of the building. Uh, and this uh, means uh, that uh, we take into consideration some aspects 
uh, that are more, let's say, intangible in a way. Uh, well is the first protocol to codify the, uh, the concept of beauty. How can you codify beauty? Well, for example, uh, integrating green, so biophilia has an impact on the aesthetics uh, of the, of the uh, architecture. Integrating art, so well, for example, forces you to have in the facade of the building, for example, a certain percentage uh, that is treated by a local artist, for example. Um, so in this sense, uh, we can also, through a, like a, a methodology, take into consideration a number of aspects uh, that have uh, you know, an impact on our physical and mental well-being. Going back to the equation, uh, the second uh, part uh, is technology. For us, technology is key both in the design process and in the object of our design. What does it mean? In the design process, we try to apply all the latest technology in terms of, for example, of generative and parametric design. But we apply also a methodology which is called DFMA, Design for Manufacturing and Assembly, that is actually a methodology that was born with car design. Uh, and the design for manufacturing allows you, uh, since the very beginning of the project and through the design process, to take into consideration the entire building life cycle. Usually, you know, the architect uh, um, thinks about the building and like about the complexity of the building till construction without taking into consideration that actually the real life of the building is from the end of construction onwards. So we have to take into consideration also maintenance, uh, the resilience of the building, because the building, uh, you know, will have to evolve, will have to change over time. Uh, and then uh, end of life. Uh, and design for manufacturing is a methodology that really allows you to take into consideration the entire building life cycle. This, I think, is at the base of a real environmental sustainability approach. Uh, because uh, if you really want to create something which minimizes its impact on the environment, uh, you have to take into consideration its entire life. And this uh, brings me to the, to, the, to the technology embedded in the object of our design. Uh, if we want to think about a building uh, that will be able to evolve, to change over time, and that we will need easily uh, also to dismantle, uh, reusing or recycling, the construction material, you know, we have to rely on a number of uh, dry technologies uh, and uh, on uh, off-site uh, uh, construction techniques, uh, trying to, you know, uh, reduce uh, construction timing and construction cost uh, and uh, also the, the effort associated to construction, trying to um, standardize as much as we can uh, the building components without obviously losing uh, the, the beauty concept that I was saying before. So I'm not talking about a, a mere prefabrication uh, process, you know, through digital technologies uh, and uh, uh, digital manufacturing techniques, uh, we can allow prefabrication to evolve in uh, uh, off-site construction, allowing us at the cost of a traditional prefabricated building also to customize components uh, uh, to obtain at the end uh, an architectural object which is unique. Um, the last part of the equation is uh, impact. So we don't want just to do beautiful buildings uh, uh, that integrates a lot of technologies. 
uh, the reason why we do our job is really to improve people's life. Uh, to improve people's life uh, through the generation of uh, social impact, uh, taking into consideration for sure uh, the impact on the environment, as I was mentioning before, but also the economic uh, impact of our, uh, um, of our projects. So, uh, you know, architecture is becoming a, a very complex dis discipline in the sense that uh, it's not just about designing a building, it's also designing uh, a number of... Uh, Uh, processes of functions associated to that. I used to say that, you know, the design part is the ephemeral part, the most ephemeral part of the process, not because it's not important, because, but because it comes at the end of the process. You know, in the last few years, we have noticed that our clients, uh, when they come to us, you know, they, they first want us to help them in understanding how they can reactivate uh, a part of a city, how they can, uh, you know, reuse the Uh, an asset uh, to generate uh, uh, some kind of business, you know, and we need uh, to be, uh, and they understand, we need to be involved uh, uh, since the very beginning of the process. So architecture, in a way, is becoming the synthesis of a number of complex processes that, in the end, gives a lot of importance to architecture. Also, and I conclude about this, uh, you know, I have to say that architecture is going back to its to its value as a symbol uh, in a world that is very fast, that is very, like, you know, quick uh, in which uh, uh, a lot of communication happens digitally, there is a, a strong need to have also physical and concrete objects that can represent the values, uh, the importance of uh, a specific initiative. So a lot of clients come to us because architecture Uh, is uh, for them a concrete representation of their business, of their values, uh, uh, of their activity. And in this sense, I think architecture is really going back up the core of, uh, uh, of our society. Thank you, Giovanni, for sharing your thoughts on decoding the concepts of beauty, well-being and social impact. Very interesting. And this made me think of the conversation we had last time when you mentioned the former processes of globalization unveiling this one general international architectural style, while now we witness a shift towards the notion of local. I would love to speak about the architecture world actively working to improve its diversity gap. Can you please expand on those thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You said a word that uh, is uh, old-fashioned, I would say, now, which is globalization, no? luckily. Uh, I think we have uh, seen uh, over the course of the last uh, 10 years, I mean, um, uh, we have heard, sorry, um, about globalization uh, a lot. And uh, indeed, uh, you know, if you think about it, uh, there was kind of, uh, it was created kind of an international style for architecture in the sense that, uh, you know, when... Uh, this big wave uh, of uh, uh, new communication tools uh, such as social media, uh, you know, they have kind of uh, made us all feel more connected and more closed. Uh, you know, we started for sure uh, to share values that were valid, uh, let's say, all over the world. And globalization, in a sense, uh, you know, on architecture brought this idea of uh, a contemporary image of architecture, which is pretty much uh, the same. You know, I remember... Uh, once I was flying from Bologna to New York, you know, it was, let's say, 10 years ago. And uh, 
Uh, I remember the last thing that I saw, fly, like taking off from Bologna, was uh, was uh, IKEA, and then landing in New York. The first thing that I saw was IKEA, you know, and, uh, and they had the same design, the same building. I think that after you know a, a few years uh, of this, now we are all understanding that it's very important also to rely on uh, local culture uh, because we, in the in the end, uh, you know. Uh, what makes really the difference is uh, being able to, uh, as I was saying before, you know, to generate uh, a positive impact uh, on uh, basically the users of our like uh, uh, objects of design, and this uh, and this is a trend uh, that we that we see everywhere. So we are going back uh, to understanding uh, what are the local, what is the local culture, what is the you know, the, the, what are the characteristics of the vernacular, uh, local architecture. And we need to start uh, from uh, uh, those elements uh, in uh, uh, developing a new project. Again, as I was saying before, architecture is uh, becoming important as a symbol. And if architecture is a symbol, it has to really represent uh, uh, the local community, you know, the local uh, uh, the local businesses, the local interests. Uh, it cannot be, you know, uh, just a copy and paste of the of the same design. Uh, we so uh, the, and we are following this trend also in Pininfarina. You know, uh, I, re- I joined Pininfarina a couple of years ago, but uh, um, Pininfarina has developed architecture for the last uh, twenty years, and I would say that it has created a language. Uh, that was very recognizable in a way. You know? So obviously starting from cars, uh, our designers were very used to uh, use a certain, uh, uh, you know, a certain methodology, but also visually, you know, certain lines, uh, certain the use of a specific curvature in, in some elements of the building. And now we are moving kind of out of that. I mean, what we are... Like naturally, in a way, developing is a methodology uh, that differentiates our work. It's not anymore an aesthetic element uh, or uh, you know a visual uh, element that can be recognizable. And I see that many firms, or at least the most uh, uh, innovative ones, uh, are following this. If I think, uh, for example. You know about the archangels, uh, just because you know it's possibly in this moment uh, uh, one of the most uh, well-known uh, architectural firms worldwide. You don't recognize the archangels because they use uh, the same material or the same color or the same shape, but you understand that there's a, a certain way of thinking behind that. In this case, I think is also this idea of making architecture something which is playful, you know? And uh, I think this is really uh, the future of architecture, of, of, of our architects at least, uh, the capability uh, to apply a methodology that gives every time a different result that is anyway the perfect fit in that specific uh, context. Speaking of architecture, the Venice Architectural Biennale 2021 is entitled How We Will Live Together, and it's just around the corner. How do you envision the new future of architecture, and how would you relate it to those three principles of social sustainability that we discussed previously? 
Well, social sustainability to me is really the big uh, wave of innovation uh, that architecture has to take into consideration. Um, you know, as I, as I mentioned before, economic sustainability is necessary because without money, you know, we, we cannot do architecture. Um, environmental sustainability is in this specific moment in time, uh, the hot topic, no, everyone is talking about environmental sustainability, but you know, if you think about it, architecture started to talk and discuss and do research about environmental impact, uh, again, 15 years ago. So uh, uh, I remember I started working about, you know, 12 years ago. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, everyone was talking about zero energy building, uh, zero emission. So there is a lot of literature, there is a lot of experience uh, about environmental, uh, environmental impact. Um, there is a, still a lot to be done uh, in the construction industry because the problem is not having uh innovative ideas in this sense but like finding the right clients and the right uh, uh construction companies that are capable to actually implement them um what i think really needs a lot of research uh still and that's why i say this is the the next big big wave of innovation in architecture is social impact because architects for you know uh, too much time, they have relied on what I call externalities. What is an externality? It's something that happens uh, as a consequence of your action, uh, but that was not really planned. Okay, so maybe I design a specific building or a specific, uh, uh, you know, urban plan, and then uh, after a few years, I notice that I have improved the quality of life in that build in that area. Uh, that is an externality. Okay, uh, wasn't really planned. Social impact is different. Social impact uh, um, has to be additional, intentional, and measurable. Uh, we have developed a, a protocol with MP Infarina um, to really, you know, being able to generate a real social impact. So I'll go through the, the three uh, words that I just mentioned. So it has to be intentional. What does it mean? That since day one, we have to speak with our clients and Together, intentionally, we have to agree that our project has the, the final goal to improve, uh, you know, life of the users of the building, of the local community, but it has to be agreed since day one with the client. Second step is uh, social impact has to be additional. What does it mean? That we have to agree with our clients again that a specific amount of resources will be dedicated to generate uh, social impact. This is a basic concept in finance. If you want uh, you know, to get an economic return over your investment, you need to invest some money, okay? And the same thing happens in architecture. If you want to generate some kind of positive impact, you really need to understand what are the resources, not just from an economic point of view, but generally speaking, that will be invested over the course of the project uh, to give uh, you know, a result. And the third point is uh, that social impact has to be measurable. So we need to define certain metrics, uh, benchmarks that allow over the course of the life of the building to really demonstrate that we generated that social impact. Uh, this is key also because everything that is measurable, it's also e easily communi communicable. Uh, you can 
proof that uh, you have reached a certain goal. And in this sense, you allow the, the scalability of the process. Because in the end, what is the final aim of doing an innovative idea? Well, is inspiring other people and informing other people so that they can, from there, move forward. You know, uh, the, 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 the base of innovation, I mean, the, the real innovation is the one that can be uh, passed to other uh, so that you can increase your impact. It's not just about doing a, a, a nice intervention that remain isolated in itself. Thank you so much, Giovanni, for this inspiring conversation. As a designer, I have absolutely enjoyed listening to you and hearing your visions. It has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Giovanni, for sharing with us your knowledge and experience. It has been an absolute pleasure having you here at Zeitgeist 19. And thank you, Kiana, for joining me to co-host today's program.